on partway. So if you're if you're online and you're listening and you didn't hear me, we're starting here and uh, picking up in Romans chapter one. Uh, we left off in in verse two, but for context reason, we'll read verse one. And my hope is to actually get all the way through to verse seven today. And so we'll see how that goes, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, Romans 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of from of the dead, from the dead of the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations, for his name, among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ. And so here we have Paul's introduction. And again, there's there's so much to get through in, into this, which is why it's taken us so long. And we've We've really expounded on verse 1 quite a bit, and we've, we've looked at quite a bit on verse 2 about the idea that uh, Jesus Christ was prophesied before, and we talked about the fact that Christ wasn't a mystery, but there was a mystery about Christ. Paul came preaching, as we've talked about uh, in Romans 16, and Ephesians chapter 3, and in Colossians chapter 1, and in numerous places where Paul says that he has been given a mystery a dispensation of a, of a mystery. But here we see in Romans 1, he's not coming up with some brand new religion of this, of this new, new person. His gospel is based upon even the, the promises that came before, the promise of salvation through the seed of David. And so this is what he's talking about here is, is that, that um, this, this good news concerning this, this Jesus Christ of the seed of David um, we can go back all the way to Genesis chapter 3 and see the good news promised about Jesus Christ, about the coming Messiah, which, which we'll look at some of the verses about that. And so we see that the good news was promised. Turn with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse 39. Here Jesus is talking. And he's talking to, uh, obviously, the nation of Israel, and he's, obviously, he's talking to um, those who aren't believing, who he, believing his message. And he says this to them. He says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Now, they, there was promise of eternal life in the, in the Old Testament scriptures. There, there was the promise of that. But as we're going to see that Paul's going to end up making the case, that promise of eternal life was still built on the idea that the Old Testament was going to be was pointing to this Messiah, the one who was going to bring about that eternal life. You couldn't have eternal life apart from that coming Messiah. You couldn't have eternal life apart from Jesus Christ. You you couldn't claim, oh, I'm just going to follow the law, and therefore I don't have to. To listen, Paul's going to make that very clear that there was no way that that was going to happen. And so here he says, Jesus says, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. And so here Jesus is saying the Old Testament testify of me. 
is what he's saying here. Now, Paul is later going to come and say that he preaches the unsearchable riches of Christ, the things that you can't search the Old Testament scriptures about. And that's where he talks about this mystery. And that's why I say that that, uh, Jesus wasn't a mystery, Christ was not a mystery, but there was a mystery about Christ. And again, when when we look at the... Uh, the uh, the idea or the what Paul says regarding the mystery, he says over and over again that he has a mystery. And so there are those who want to suggest to myself and others like-minded that, you know, when we say that Paul had a, a, hidden, a hidden mystery or we say that Paul's gospel is not the same gospel as the gospel of the kingdom, they say, see, this verse here proves you wrong. Well, this verse doesn't prove, prove us wrong because one of the things we have to know is that the scriptures have to be consistent, do they not? One verse is not going to disagree with the other verse. The idea Jesus Christ made this, this point very clear, and Paul makes this point over and over again. This is why he takes what he's getting ready to do, and he's going to point right to Jesus as the seed of David. He's, he's showing that the Jesus he preaches isn't some... You know, and, and I don't like to bash people, but really, to be honest with you, you know, some Jehovah Witness, Mormon kind of new variant type of thing. His, his gospel, Paul's gospel, is still built upon that same Jesus who came and who was of the seed of David. It's the same Jesus is what he's talking about. And so you have to keep that understand, understanding. Um, in, in Luke chapter 1, uh, we see whenever John the Baptist is born... And if you remember the story where his father um, basically, you know, God stops his mouth so he can't talk anymore. I'm sure his wife loved that for a while, but he couldn't talk anymore. And then it was at the naming of, the, of John the Baptist. It was whenever he was going to be named, the mom said his name is going to be John. Why did she name him John? Because she was told to. And the people were like, well, what are you doing? There's nobody in your family named John. They were ready to name him Zacharias anyway. And so they asked Zacharias, and he gets a tablet, and he says, no, it's going to be John. And it was at that moment that God opened up his mouth, and he begins to prophesy, and he begins to speak, and all the people are scared. They ask the question, who is this child? Now, that's not the child Jesus. That's the child John the Baptist. Who is this child that this great thing is going on? And it's then when Zacharias prophesies that now God has, raised up a, God has raised up a horn of salvation unto his people Israel. And so we see salvation was still tied to Jesus. It always was and it always will be. The blood of bulls and goats didn't save anybody, but the reason why it was accepted was because, because God said, if you do this, then I will forgive your sins knowing, him knowing, that one day Jesus would come and be that ultimate payment. But guess what they couldn't do? They couldn't say, well, the blood of bulls and goats won't save anybody, so I won't do it, because then they would be disobeying God. And we have to understand that that's how God works. And so uh, at that time, in, in, in the day of John the Baptist, there was the revelation that this Messiah um, was going to be the, the horn of salvation. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we see that uh, Paul, again, is, is making the case that he's preaching the same Jesus. Now, he's not preaching the same, the same Jesus in the same way, but he is preaching the same Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, 
according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul constantly reaffirmed that in Jesus was the promise of life. Whether people understood it or whether it was fully revealed is neither here nor there. What is, what is important is, is that even from the beginning, again, I, and I say this often, when you go back to Genesis chapter 3, you will see that, it, it, well, we're going to look at it shortly, so I don't want to get ahead of myself, that it's of the seed of the woman that salvation was going to come. Who do you think that seed of the woman was? Jesus. And so right from the beginning you have that. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. Here we have Paul talking about this this revelation of the mystery. That's verse 3. He says, How that by revelation he made unknown unto me the mystery, uh, whereby uh, I wrote for a few, few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed. And what is that? Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. In layman's turn, there was a mystery. Okay? That mystery came from the Apostle Paul, but it's built upon the idea of Jesus Christ who was promised a fourth. That's what he's talking about here. And so here in Romans, we have the same situation, is that Paul is, is remember, He's writing to the Romans, and and he hadn't been there yet. He is the apostle of the Gentiles, but yet he he wasn't the one who went there to establish that church. And so here when we see this introduction, he's establishing that he is an apostle of God, and he's an apostle of Jesus Christ according, and you can't take verse 2 without putting it into a context of verse 3, according to the seed of David. And so that's where he's he's getting to this, and then where he's going to go to is the importance of the resurrection. So, um, but again, Ephesians 6, and if you're taking notes, Romans 16, 25, Colossians 2, uh, Colossians 4, all of these make it very clear over and over again that Paul is not just been added to the same old message, but that his message is a new message. And so keep that in understanding. Back to Romans, if you've got any questions or comments, as always, Feel free to interject. Yeah. Um, I appreciate how he's making a declaration of time. It's further on in, in Ephesians 3 um, where he's saying that he's saying now, saying right now, mm. now this is being revealed. Yep. Where it wasn't right. made manifest before or wasn't revealed before. It's now. It's now. Right, right. yeah. In other words, it wasn't then now and and we have to let the word of god speak for itself keep in mind paul's not writing the book of romans you know four weeks after pentecost he's writing the book of romans about 20 years after pentecost and so even paul's salvation himself on the road to damascus acts chapter 9 you're talking 10 years after pentecost roughly you know we don't have exact dates but but we can narrow some things down based on certain events and it's about it's about seven or ten years. And so, yeah, that, that time frame comes into play. And so, again, Paul's point is that the Jesus he preaches is the same Jesus who came. And then, as we see here, verse 3 is of the seed of David. 
And, and that's the context what he's talking about. Um, because that is... Um, all of, all of this introduction has to do with one another. The issue of Jesus being of the seed of David and this, this resurrection that, which took place, as he's getting ready to say here, it's the resurrection that declares Jesus. And think of those words. Well, let's just read it. Let's read it again. Verse 3, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the res- resurrection from the dead. And again, that's, um, that's, that's too important for us to go quickly over. We have to really dissect all of this. Um, Jesus was of the seed of David, and that was a, a need, and that was a must. Who's here took the time to study the genealogies in Matthew and Luke? Fun stuff, huh? And, and it is actually quite interesting. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily fun, but, it's, but it is interesting. And so you have those genealogies for a reason. And so that it establishes that Jesus is the rightful heir, the rightful uh, one to assume the promises that were made about the seed of David. And so here we see that that, that is important. It's the same Jesus. It's not a new Jesus. And again, this is consistent with uh, prophecies. If you're taking notes, I'll give you a couple of verses that you can write down. Uh, look at, you can go, don't turn, turn here now, but write down 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 and 13. But turn to Psalms. We'll look at that. Psalm chapter 89. Psalm chapter 89, look at uh, verses 3 and 4. Psalm chapter 89, verse 3 says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build upon thy throne to all generations. Remember Jesus, even whenever he, during his earthly ministry, um, uh, he asks them about who the Messiah is going to be. What, what, what was the answer? It's going to be from David. It's going to be a child, the son of David. And so Jesus, he, Jesus <laughs> had to be, in order to be qualified uh, to, to fulfill fill this role, he had to be of the seed of David. And so again, Paul is establishing the fact here, Uh, in this first book in in canon that we have that's written by the Apostle Paul, the very first book that he's written, here he's establishing the fact that this is the same Jesus who qualifies to take on all those promises of the Old Testament. Kevin? You know, in verse 5 in Ephesians 3, it says, In other ages was not made known unto the sons of man, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. No, no, and, and and keep in mind that the the um, 
the Holy Spirit is the one in which gave people, uh, whether it's Peter and the Twelve or gave Paul, the ability to work uh, signs and wonders. And so as Paul, again, as he, he, talked about, he talks about how his apostleship was proved through signs and wonders and those things that he proved his apostleship. And so, yes, I mean, Paul is establishing in, what is it, Second Thessalonians uh, 2? 2 Thessalonians 2, he, maybe it's 1, he commends the Thessalonians because they didn't receive the things that he said as the words of men, but as it really was, the word of God. And so he says, you received what I said as the word of God, which it truly was. And so the Holy Spirit isn't like going around and giving everybody the same mystery that Paul did, but there was prophets. And so there was the gift of prophecy at this time still going on. And so um, there was prophecies that would take place. The level of that, uh, those utterances, I mean, we don't have in Scripture enough to know. Uh, Paul says that he had an abundance of revelations, and so that much, that much we definitely know. So, all right, turn with me to Jeremiah, chapter twenty-three. This is one of the most famous uh, passages regarding the Messiah. Jeremiah chapter twenty-three. Verse five. Jeremiah twenty three five and six says, Behold the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and the king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Now, that's still prophecy. That hasn't happened yet. But we do know who it's talking about. It's talking about Jesus Christ. And so that verse 6, those things that it's talking about there, that's not going to happen until during, during the, the book of Revelation, after the tribulation. So, but again, we see that this, this Old Testament prophecy regarding the Messiah was going to have to be uh, the... Uh, the son of uh, the son of David, the seed of David. Uh, what's interesting is uh, is whenever you look at those genealogies, uh, when it talks about uh, uh, when you when you have the the line that's through Joseph and you have the line through that's through um, through Mary. Um, remember what Genesis chapter three says. Go to Genesis chapter three. Yeah, a couple of you guys have already said it out loud, so I probably shouldn't even go there. No. Just teasing. Genesis chapter 3. Again, I said this, who is this a reference to? It's a reference to Christ. Way back in the beginning, right from the beginning, Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so Jesus is that seed of the woman. And so now what's, what's interesting, when you have the lineage of, of both Matthew and in, in Luke, you have the line through, through um, Joseph, and you have the line through Mary. Jesus came physically through the line of the seed of the woman. And so isn't it how perfect... Even from the beginning, the prophecies were so perfectly 
um, given to us. Um, obviously, Jesus couldn't be born physically from the line of, of his father because by doing so, then he would, have, he would have the tainted sin coming from that flesh. But by coming through the woman and being, being um, spiritually, uh, miraculously um, conceived through the Holy Spirit, um, God is his father. And so you have, you have the situation here where Christ was the seed of the woman. You can go to Isaiah 7 and Matthew chapter 1 and compare, compare these, these, uh, these events. So, so what we're having here is in Romans is Paul is reminding his listeners that Jesus, again, was the same, same Jesus. Go back to 2 Timothy. We forgot to look at a verse there. 2 Timothy chapter 2. This, this pointing out that Jesus uh, was of the seed of David is not an um, uncommon thing for, for Paul. He, he would remind it because his ministry wasn't as some thing just to Gentiles, was he? Who, who was his ministry to? His ministry was threefold. To Jews, Gentiles, and kings. So when you go back and you read, you read what his, his apostleship was, it wasn't to just Gentiles. His ministry was to... And so what would he have to remind his, the Jews in the synagogue? What would he have to remind them about Jesus? That Jesus was of the seed of David. Constantly. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. He says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Paul is getting ready to make that very point in Romans chapter 1. Making the connection of the seed of David, making the connection of us. I mean, Romans, the book of Romans is all about, I shouldn't say all about, it's very much about our justification. Well, what does the scripture say? That he died for our sins and was raised again for what? Our justification, talking about Jesus. And so you cannot separate um, any of these aspects of Jesus. He was of the seed of David. And as this Romans chapter 1 goes on to say, verse 4, and he was declared to be the Son of God with power. And so um, through this event um, being declared uh, the Son of God, here in this verse we have um, really a verse that almost poetically states what's, what the Bible has declared from the beginning is that Jesus is set apart from all humanity. And really, it's his resurrection from the dead that sets him apart. That's what sets him apart. Now, granted, we understand that he lived a perfect, sinless life, but it's, but it's by the power of the resurrection, his power, that sets him apart from all humanity. And this is what this is talking about. He's declared, this, this idea, this word, this word declared, literally means to be marked out. In the Greek, that Greek word that's there, which I would make, make myself look silly trying to pronounce like I usually do whenever I try to, try to pronounce the Greek, we get our word horizon from this word. And so he is literally that marking, he's that demarcation point. Whenever you look at the horizon where you have the land or the water and you have the sky, he is that demarcation of human beings. He is, he's, he's what's set apart because of the resurrection is what sets him apart, is what this is talking about. 
Uh, and see what I mean here in the verse? We can, we can read this really quick, but, but there's so much in this that, that it's talking about here. You, have to, you also have to realize, if you turn to Acts chapter 13, that we think of Jesus Christ as, as being begotten of the Father on his birthday. But it's not just his birthday that he is the day, the day in which he's begotten. It's the day in which he rises from the dead. Reg. Kinsman Redeemer. Yeah. Yeah, which is a great study. If you've never done a study on the Kinsman Redeemer aspect of it, um, we've talked about it a little bit here. I've, I've preached a little bit about it. But if you're, looking, if, you're, if you're ever looking for a cool study to do on your own, study of the Kinsman Redeemer is a phenomenal one. So it, it's the idea that Jesus had the right. That I guess we can't really not talk about it a little bit. The Kinsman Redeemer was somebody who was of the line of the family who had, a, had the right to redeem a, a land in Israel. And so whenever, say, say a brother you know, loses his money and he ends up selling off the property or whatever, his, his kin had the right under the law to come and buy it back. It could not be refused. He had the right of the kinsman redeemer to come and purchase it back. Now, why do you think that was instituted? <laughs> How perfect is God's word? So. I just also, when you look at verse 3 and 4 together, you see the whole... Which one are we talking about? Romans 1. Romans 1, okay. Three is obviously of the flesh and four being of the spirit. You see the whole hypostatic union there, Mm -hmm. you know, man, God, and it just completes that whole kinsman redeemer idea as well. He was able to redeem us because he was man and he was God. He was perfect. He was the only, the one and only. And the only begotten of the Father. Those two verses. Sure. Good point. Yeah. The only begotten of the Father. And like I said, uh, we think of him as being only begotten, and, and we think of usually the manger, the birth, or you might think of Jesus' uh, baptism, um, whenever the, the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. But when you study the scriptures, you see that it's, when it talks about this day I have begotten thee, it's also talking about the day of his resurrection. And so keep in mind that when it says here in Romans that he's declared to be the Son of God with power, the, again, the consistency of, of Scripture is that it's, it's in, in Psalm chapter 2, which we maybe we'll look at here, is, is that, that it was this resurrection event, this thing that separates him from everybody else. Um, that, that's, look at uh, Acts chapter 13. And I'll stop giving commentary and give God's word. How's that? Acts chapter 13. And so start in verse 30. Acts chapter 13, verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. Keep that in memory. Because we're going to talk about this God raised him from the dead in a minute. It says, but God raised him from the dead, and he was seen many days of them, which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again. Now it's talking about the resurrection, right? Notice what it says, what it says next. 
as it is written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. You go back to Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, and it's, it's, it's a prophecy. Who wrote, who wrote the psalm? David. And it's a prophecy regarding the Messiah who is, going to be, um, who is going to be begotten of the Father. And so we can see that this association between um, uh, the resurrection and being begotten of the Father also has to do with not just the birth, but also the resurrection itself. And, and um, we have to, uh, have to keep that in mind. So, yeah, you can go back and read Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. Um, but... I turned that, and I want to go back to that, Acts chapter 13. Notice what it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 30. I pointed out that it says, but God raised him from the dead. Now, it's going to quote the same thing, or it's going to say the same thing, I think, in verse 37. Uh, Yeah, but he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Now, um, one of the things I love whenever I, I talk about this is, again, I love to point how fantastic the word of God is let me ask you a question who raised up Jesus that's right and and, and think of that here we just read that God raised him from the dead but one of the reasons why Jesus was declared to be the son of God is because it wasn't that he was dependent upon the father to raise him was he no whenever it says God raised him from the dead that's talking about the trinity there because we have verses, as we're going to see here, where the Bible tells you that the Father raised him, tells you that the Son raised himself, and it tells you that the Holy Spirit raised him. And this is the, 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 the unity of the scriptures that it's talking about that God raised him. And so you can see how he was declared to be the Son of God. And remember, when Jesus said that he was the Son of God, the Jews were ready to stone him. Why? Because he was making himself equal with God. No, it'd probably be Theos right. in, in the New Testament. So, you know, I would have to look it up and, and say, but I, I'm almost, you know, my memory is good and short. I, I looked it, looked it up just for verifications, but I, I didn't write it down in my notes, and I'm almost certain that it's using the word Theos. But we do know that it does say that the Father raised him, the Holy Spirit raised him, and Jesus raised himself. Look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 18. John verse, chapter 10, verse 18, here Jesus is talking about uh, laying down his life. He says, no man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. And a lot of people will get lost in that aspect, that he willingly laid down his life. But notice what he says. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This commandment have I received of my Father. He has the power to lay down his life, and he literally has the power to lay it down. And you, and you may say, well, does he really have the power to res- resurrect himself? Yes, he did. Uh, and I'll get more there. Go ahead, Rich. Well, harping on the same thing you were, um, he told the Jews, he said, destroy this temple, meaning his body, mm-hmm. and I will raise it up again on the third day. That's the verse we were getting ready to go to. <laughs> no, but that's good. I love it. No, I'm not giving you... Ch- John chapter 2, verse 19. It shows 
Very good. Go to John chapter 2, verse 19, and you'll see the verse in which Jesus makes that claim. Because we know that whenever he says destroy this temple, he was talking about himself. It also made him very mad because he was to be God. Yeah, it made him very mad. Laniv is exactly right. Sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to get that's okay. Uh, going back to to Romans mm-hmm. in uh, verse four, where it talks about the Son of God according to the Spirit of Holiness. In other words, basically that the Holy Spirit uh, was His Father. God was His Father. And then the question is, if they're three in one, Jesus was playing a part in that creation of Himself as His embodiment. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think very much so. Matter of fact, I think that if you study the Scriptures, what you find out that before, before there was ever a creation, in other words, when God himself existed, um, so before the foundations of the world were laid, so in other words, before God said, let there be light, it said that he had an eternal, there was an eternal purpose in Jesus Christ before that. It says he knew the things that he was going to do before the foundations of the world, which means, yes, he was a part of this great council, if you want to, you know, have this imagery, this great council between God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that's decided this plan of salvation that they were going to work out, which means he was part of that actual creation, too. Uh, we know John 1 makes it very clear that he was, he was the agent of creation for the world, but even for himself. So, yeah. But John chapter 3, verse 19 um, Um, He says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days, who will make it rise? I will make it rise. And so again, I think that we see as we look through this that um, it's very clear. Look at Romans chapter 8, and we'll see where the Holy Spirit is referenced as to have raised raised him. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And if you're using the King James, you'll notice that you have the, the capital S here for spirit. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You see how this is pointing to the Holy Spirit as the, as the agent of, or, or part of that resurrection? Well, to me, I don't know about you, I just think this is cool. Um, and then whenever you look at other verses that talk about that the Father raised him, look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Galatians 1, 1. It says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised him from the dead. See, see how we have this, this, the Father raised him, the Holy Spirit raised him, Jesus raised himself. In Acts chapter 13, we have this Theos, this God. You have the Trinity who is responsible for the resurrection. So now you can see whenever Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that, it's, that he's declared to be the Son of God um, with power, by power, you know, 
hopefully that, that gives you a, a fuller understanding of, of, of what is, what's really taking place and what Paul is expounding on here. To read it again, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Um, and so it's literally his resurrection that has declared him. And there's one more verse that I want us to look at. Um, whenever I say, um, you know, it, it just to me, it's, it's so cool whenever you talk about Jesus' resurrection and who it identifies him to be. Um, he was God in the flesh. And we've talked before, there are things that God cannot do. Guess one of those things that God cannot do? Lie or die. He cannot die. Look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 24. Well, we'll read 23 for the context. Acts chapter 2, verse 23. It says, Him, talking about Jesus, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because, look at this next part, because it was not possible that he should be holding to it. It was not possible that death could hold on to Jesus. And anybody who wants to not deny that the scriptures teach the deity of Christ is in denial. You have to be in denial. To, to deny the deity of Christ. Here we have a clear indication that death could not hold on to Jesus. He was God himself. So we can see again that Romans has given us, uh, whenever it says that he was declared to be the son of God um, with power, um, that, is, that is certainly true. Certainly true. Uh, let's continue reading Romans 1. Romans 1.5, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. That's, that's a big thing because up until the book of Romans, you don't have a single book written to anybody but the nation of Israel. And now all of a sudden you've got this book that's written and, and you've got this. And he, Paul says, for the obedience unto all nations. Remember, the book of Rome, Romans isn't written to Rome. It's to all those who be in Rome. So whether you're Jew or Gentile, it's written to you, is who it's for. To all that be in Rome, uh, I'm sorry, verse 6, among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ. And so, um, verse 7, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we, we really complete the idea of, of, of this introduction of Paul to the book of Romans. But again, notice that he says here he's talking about this idea of a saint. You have to understand a saint is somebody who is set apart as sacred for God. It could be a person. Um, saint is not necessarily used of utensils like in the, in, the, in the temple was, but the concept of holy, that item being holy, was set apart was. And so utensils were set apart. Um, the utensils for the temple, they were set apart strictly for that. They weren't to be used, used for, un, for, or for common things. They were uncommon. And that's what we are. 
And then that, that should make you smile. You're uncommon, Frank. And we're not dead. And we're not dead. You that's don't right. Have to die to be a saint. Yes, that's a very good point. You don't have to die, and you don't have to wait till some 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 group tells you that you can be a saint 300 years after you die. So. Mm-hmm. And even the utensils, et cetera, that you just brought up again. And that uh, Christ's uh, genealogy has been verified through the Bible and whatnot. Where, um, where does the, uh, in Deuteronomy, I think it talks about uh, the sins of the father being visited on the third and fourth generation? I don't remember off the top of my head where it's in there, where it, has, where it is in there. Yeah, well, I don't know where you're going, so finish your thought. Well, uh, I don't want to assume where you're how going. Does that, um, how does that wash out, like, with Christ, with Jesus? Because his his parents, or his father, mm-hmm. well, I guess his father in the Trinity is God Almighty. Right, and, and keep in mind that when he says that... Or the, the lineage. Sure, but keep in mind that God's not required to hold it to the 10th generation. You know what I'm saying? He can have mercy upon whom he'll have mercy upon. And we've seen before where, you know, you had David and, you know, David sinned, you know, and Solomon sinned. And, and so he, he's not obligated that he has to keep it to the 10th generation. And so um, he's going to have mercy upon, but keep in mind he can because he's not going to um, thwart his own purpose. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan. He's got an agenda from the very beginning as we talked about through, through Jesus Christ. And so, you know, I'm not sure if that really answers your question, but keep in mind that um, he's, he can have mercy upon whom he's going to have mercy. He's not going to go against his word, that's for sure. Right. One second. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The sin and the power of life is in the blood, mm-hmm. and the, the man's genes don't have anything to do with the blood. Right. It's so only only the woman, and he and he gets his blood, sinless blood, from the Father, which is God Almighty, and therefore, well, he didn't have any. It, it verifies his. Sure. But the same question is passed down hand like it is us. Rich, yeah, exactly, which is why. Right. Well, and even to Jesus. And so maybe that's where you were going. Maybe I misunderstood where you were going with the question. I was answering just from the idea of did he have to necessarily hold it to the, you know, third, fourth, tenth generation type of thing. If I was was trying to challenge, which I get, the purity of Jesus being a man. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, and, and, and in that sense, Reggie's, Reggie's point is exactly right, is, is that he had to come from the seed of the woman, one, because he had to be made of flesh. And so, but two, he didn't come from, uh, from Joseph for two different reasons. One, because Joseph, Joseph one, didn't have a rightful, uh, rightful claim on the throne um, in, in the sense that he was, he was, he was a rightful in the, when it came to the legal sense but not whenever it came to the biological sense, which Mary was necessary. 
for that. Yeah, that so, explains it. So, but even if you take apart or set aside the, the blood aspect, which you really can't according to the scripture, it says the sins of the father are passed down. His father was God. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Well, but I was talking in an earthly context. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, we'll have to stop there. We'll pick up in verse 7 because I want to talk about um, this idea of the of the saints and I also want to talk a little bit about the um, the grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ because I don't want you to let that poetry slip off your tongue because in that itself is a is a is a, a scriptural understanding that's that, that we need to know so okay very good